Hey, this is Brian Jump. Welcome to the SAI Million Dollar PDR Podcast. We go over actionable tips that have served my business well over the last 30 years, and hopefully they'll be beneficial to you too. Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Brian Jump. SAI Million Dollar PDR Podcast. How's it going, man? What have you been up to? Everything going good? Business good? Life good? Feeling healthy, staying good, staying warm. Been cold. We've had a lot of weather across the United States the past few months, huh? More rain in Cali, baby. Got to fill up these reservoirs and lakes and streams. I mean, as people, I think we're pretty happy about it. But has anybody talked to the fish? I don't know what they think. Are they happy they got much more water? Or are they pissed? I don't know. Will we ever know? Probably not. I'm the only one asking this question, I think, too. How do the fish think about more water? It's like, do we need more oxygen? I guess it couldn't hurt. But anyway, we'll circle back to that one later. Everything's good? Everything's good on our end. We uh, had some really cool cars lately. A couple Porsches recently. Um, I like some of the older people that have been coming in. These people have so much stories, and they're just so happy. They don't get tied up on the... Stupid bullshit most of the time. And it's weird because every now and then, most of the older people I see seem to have their shit together. You know, they're retired or they're going to retire. And then there's the ones that you could tell, man, they made some bad decisions. And it's like, how did how did you make such bad decisions so late in life? And we're going to talk about that. That's a great segue in, into this episode called Failure. And I've, I like to talk about failure on a, on a recurring uh, schedule because I think it's good to look at past failures. A lot of famous war generals and strategists look at failures and wins. You just don't want to look at wins. You want to know the pitfalls and, and how to avoid them. And that's why one of the reasons I do this podcast because trust me, and you'll hear me talk about a few of my failures in this episode, there's... When you're failing, it's it can, it's good. It's a good thing. Not all the time. You don't want to fail. This guy's a total failure. Oh, 100%. He failed 87 years and then died. No, that's that's not good. But if you're not trying, you can't win or fail. It's like sports. If you don't play the game, nobody's going to have winners and losers. Okay? And just because you're a loser doesn't mean you're a failure. To fail doesn't mean you're a failure, does it? No, you're a competitor. So, anywho, famous failures, you ask? Fine, give us some famous ones. Well, blockbuster. All right, guys. So, not buying real estate into my 30s, definitely. Mid-30s was definitely an oversight on my part. I should have started in my 20s. Example, Bumpers Plus. I'll never forget this guy. I think his name was David. was in San Diego. And... By the time I bought my first piece of real estate, he had six. And I hear the dude is living life. He he gave his business to his tax. I think when he by the time he hit his sixth property. And this is before Airbnb and VRBO. And he was renting out most of them. I think he lived in one of them. And just killing it. Just killing it. I'm just and I was so jelly. You know, I was just like, come on. Um 
it's just, I don't know. To have that kind of foresight, I wish I would have known. I wish somebody would have told me. Um, but no excuses. I should have figured it out myself. But I don't know. But I don't know. I, I'll tell you right now. If if I had done that, yeah, you still got to pay bills. But right now, my focus in, in my life right now and with my business is trying to get time back. I realize the value of time. And I think the less, you, it's natural, the less you have of it, the more you realize how important it is. You know, it's probably similar for poverty versus wealthy to some extent. Maybe not. There's probably a lot of poverty people, the poor that don't realize the value of money and that's why they're there. And the people that stay wealthy and got there it's just the opposite of that. So maybe the yeah, that I think I just debunked that idea right there. So anyway, so there it is, guys. Failure. It's okay to fail. But just keep swinging. Hopefully some of those lessons that I've failed at will help you. And you could be better. Be better. Be better sooner, be bigger. Be badder, be a big, bad, faster, better, badass. Don't make the same mistakes I did. Holy crap. So anyway, that's it, guys. I appreciate you tuning in. This Friday is going to be a good one. Um, we'll hopefully have one in between. I'm going to try to get a hold of Robert, our Mercedes guy I've been talking to you guys about. And uh, get him on. He's going to have some very unique perspectives. Really nice guy. Super nice guy. Wouldn't harm a, a fly unless he had to. If it was biting his ankle, he might. Might. Chances are he probably feed it a piece of meat until it to get on its way. Alright guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. I love you all, man. Air hugs. Have a great day. We'll catch you this Friday. And thanks for tuning in to the Million Dollar. Actually, it's the SAI Million Dollar PDR Podcast. Bye-bye for now. If that's your competitor, if I'm competing with Tiger Woods or I'm a business or I'm competing with a, a staff of robots with AI, fucking, I'm scared at that point. Because I know they're not going to give a shit about failing. They're going to keep iterating and iterating until they hit. I mean, emotion, emotions can be, it can be helpful, peeps, but it's mostly a hindrance, isn't it? Worrying, anxiety, you know, just, just be robotic. Just stay, just stay, I mean, it's good to have some, some, some positive energy and some enthusiasm. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when it comes with customers. But is enthusiasm really going to help you generate more money indirect away from clients? No. Making good decisions, testing, confirming, and doubling down. That's what's going to help make you business. So what you've been waiting for. Yep. I'm going to throw some shade on myself. Some of my own failures. Okay. And these are, I've talked about a few of them in the past. There's a few new ones that I threw in here after I kind of did a little bit of a Brian dump or a brain dump. So, so here they are. Some of Brian's failures over the past three decades. 
One of my main things, especially back in the day, I would hire fast and fire slow. And it, it sucked. It was it was just the polar opposite of what you're supposed to do. Okay, oh, this person looks like a gem. I'm not even gonna do a background check. Oh shoot, they're a former criminal, oops. Or hire somebody and I didn't check their background and they haven't held a job for more than a month since they've been born. And what they love to do is they love to just get unemployment. So they would make you fire them and they would they would collect unemployment on you for one or two years, which sucks, by the way, if you're an, if you're employing people. So basically the wrong people. That's been one of my main failures is not learning how to, you know, and especially in the past, it took me a long time to be able to read and, and vet people out the right way. And wrong salespeople. I can't tell you if you if you guys saw some of the people, I just lined them up. You go, holy shit, what were you thinking? No, I've had some winners, don't get me wrong. There's been one or two that, that helped build my company up in nineteen in the nineties, basically, when we were peaking out 13, 14 techs. I had some of the best salespeople that, that money could barely buy. But I've also had some bad people. All right, number two, keeping bad accounts, like like dealer accounts for too long. I've had some accounts that were that were absolute shitheads. And and I would hang on to them for a couple of years till I realized it was a waste of fucking time. We did something with the AutoNation where we did a package recon deal. And we would work evenings, weekends, yes, Sundays. And it was thankless, bullshit work. And we were treated like dirty dogs. I'm talking the dirtiest of dogs. Dirty. Demeaning. Hey, well, if you don't like it, you know, we can always replace you. I mean, shit like that. It's like, fuck, who are you, man? You really, you think it's bad to be good to be bad to your vendors? Do you think that's going to help us work better for you and do a better quality of service by being demeaning? F you and your poodle at home that you freaking put peanut butter on it. No. So, so no. We had a handful of accounts that I remember that I should have cut years or months before all right number three not focusing focusing on the business at hand trying to just start one business instead of six because it's it's our indecision and boredom is probably one of the biggest things that will hurt and hold our businesses back take it from me it, it, at least it did for me years ago probably in the 90s i'm gonna say mid 90s a buddy of mine leased me out his body shop. Him and the wife bought this big ass building. He says, hey, I'm just gonna step aside and just become a landlord now. You wanna lease out my body shop? And I thought, shit, why not? I'll tell you what, just lease me half of it and you can have the other half to store some of your toys and done deal, Brian. So for $5,000 a month in the mid 90s, I had myself a body shop with a paint booth, paint room, frame machine, whatever I needed. Not bad. And I went out and started getting some clients and pretty soon, between training and selling tools and servicing dealers mostly for body work, we were doing over 100 grand a month. Stress, like you wouldn't believe, doing way too much shit. And I remember it wasn't worth it. I had zero, my kids were young at that time. And I'm like, man, I got into PDR to make good money and have time. Right now I'm making great money, but I got no time. I just sold my kids and my family's time. And I did that for maybe three months. Thank God, not longer, not a day longer. And I finally scaled it back, flipped my buddy, my buddy the keys, and said, "Hey, you know, it's been real. 
we're just gonna we're gonna scale it back down. We're just gonna continue to do dances dealers and do the training and make tools. I'm not gonna be a body shop at two. It was too much. Example, we had a client just come in not too long ago. I think his name was Michael. And he had a stroke. I'm saying Michael was about 45, fit, surfer, tan, and needed a cane to walk and kind of droopy face and cute. The wife divorced him after all this shit happened, but then he had a cute girlfriend. And they came in with a Tesla because she crashed it or something. We had to fix it. And I could tell right away. I was going to ask, hey, what happened to your leg? And then I realized there was nothing wrong with his legs. It was his brain. And why did he have a stroke? He told me. Very slowly, but he told me. He's like, I had a restoration business and I was running around ragged. And restoration meaning like fire and smoke restoration, home restoration when you have you know, flooding and fires and shit. And he's like, yeah, I just was trying to do too much. I mean, think about this. This, this could be permanent for this dude. He's making great money, but now in his 40s, his life, they just took a chunk of his life away. He can't live the lifestyle that he did before. He, he looked irritable. He was irritable. And it happened maybe nine months to a year before when he brought the car in with his girl. And I'm just like, shit, man. What's the lesson here, Brian? Slow the fuck down. Don't stress over the stupid shit. Tiger Woods wouldn't stress about it. Robot competitor wouldn't stress about it. Why? Why would I? So, so yeah, don't stress. Another thing I did besides the buy shop starting, I started a dealer alarm company, and that was that was stupid, because I we were doing servicing some dealers, and I saw this one guy absolutely killing it, front loading alarms in the '90s on Fords. And I thought, shit, man, this looks like a really good business. You know, this guy's making you know multiple six figures a month. And I went in kind of blind, not knowing the alarm business, not knowing the, the, the makeup of an alarm business through a dealer and all the little games and shit. And I ignored the warning signs and just got myself into a pickle. I'm not a pickle. I just wasted time on a bunch of money buying product and, and marketing material. And, and that didn't help grow my PDR business at all. It didn't. Probably hurt a little bit. Slowed down our growth with that one. You got to focus what this means. So um, another thing that I used to do, number four, taking all customers instead of being selective, a.k.a. ignoring the warning signs of an impending asshole. If somebody tells you that the people that used to service their car were a bunch of a-holes, warning sign number one. Number two, if they say they've never been satisfied or never found somebody that was competent, hopefully you will be. Warning sign number two. Recent uh, divorcee or menopause. Warning three. Take it from me. I'm fighting that battle right now with somebody that's near and dear to me. So, look at the signs. Was that the Black Crows or somebody that signs, signs everywhere the signs? Yeah, there are signs. Life's too short. Pick your customers. Pick the ones that are going to be happy. Sidestep like a running back in a college pro game or not a, a pro-am game. And don't let them hit you in the knees. Take your knees out, man. Just freaking stiff arm them and score. Go score immediately. Do not 
slow down for the a-hole customers. Be selective. Big, big, big lesson. And every now and then I still make mistakes. I pick or the wrong job. I was really, really proud of myself. I just, this isn't even a number. I'm just going to put this as being more selective. Sometimes it's okay to say no. Even if you want the money, you need the money, your ego says, oh, you can, might be able to do this. I said no to two or three customers last week. And I'm, we're talking like an M6 convertible. The guy loved us, read all our views. Hey, I'm ready to give my keys. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, Josh was the name. Like, Josh, I can't. I can't. Breaks my heart, kid. I can't take your car. I can't take this job. And he wasn't an a-hole, but the car was basically an a-hole. It was just, it wasn't set up for the kind of repairs we do. So I passed on it. Like passing gas. So, what else? What's another... Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's failure, but just things. Yeah, I guess it'd be a failure. Failure of not ta- uh, failing to act. Um, number five, not buying a building when it was within easy reach. Right now, to get a small, what do they call them, condos, business condos with a warehouse in Orange County, like 1.5 mil and up, I'll have a twenty to thirty thousand dollar a month mortgage, including my property tax. Twenty, let's call it twenty-five thousand dollars a month. So that means, that's right, I've got a net 25 grand, okay, what is that, 5.5 a week, basically $1,000 a day pays my mortgage. Is it, is it really worth it? I mean, who's going to buy, who's going to buy the business, you know, that's going to come in and, oh, yeah, what does your business make? Yeah, I make 800000 a year or a million a year. Well, how much is the property? You know, three mil. It's like, holy shit, you know, how are they going to finance that? How are they going to make the money to make sense? Economically, it doesn't make sense. So back in the day, it did. But even just to sell it, I mean, I don't know. Somebody's going to buy the property and and they're going to shut down the business and do something else with it, right? Because, I mean, you got to freaking start pushing cannabis through the front door or something to, to afford 1000 bucks a day. And I'm not saying... A, a PDR business can't. Of course we can do that. But are we going to do 10000 a day? Because you probably should be at six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 a day gross if you're paying $1,000 in your, towards your mortgage. So aside from hail, I mean, it's not that easy. By the way, we are going to be talking about that in an upcoming episode, by the way. Stay tuned. Not cannabis. Making more money. It's a, it's a thought example. Um, number six, mistake that I used to make, enrolling students I knew who were not into it and probably would not succeed, aka just going through the motions. Oh my God. I Nowadays, I mean, I screen people as much as I can. And if it doesn't look like it's going to make sense, I don't want them. I don't want them. And I, not too long ago, I had a student that I, I could tell the first day, I'm like, dude, I wanted to tell him just to go home. And I probably should have. And by the end of the week... He was just kind of mailing it in, and he realized he was giving up too. I knew he was going to give up before he knew he was going to give up. Because the main thing that a lot of people don't realize when they're coming in to learn paintless dent repair is it is freaking hard. It's harder than you think it's going to be, bro. Bro, tato chip. Bro, jangles. There's two things that are going to surprise you. Number one, it's harder than you imagined. Number two, you're going to make more money than you imagined. So it's a good and a bad. 
But if I if the person's not going to put lay down the wood and the effort and the energy, why am I dragging my ass with them? I do this because I want to help people out. And I'm, I'm, I want to get compensated for it, but I don't make as much money as I do doing the repairs. So why would I do it when I got freaking, you know, Humpty Dumpty sitting on the wall getting ready to fall off and crack? Screw that. It's not worth it. Dealer techs will send some guys they haven't vetted. And the dude's like the wrong dude. He's, he's not healthy. He doesn't have the energy. He's not intelligent. He's not into it. You need somebody who has the physicality that can do it, who's also mentally ready to do it. How about kids sent by their rich parents just because little Billy doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and he's 35 still living at home? Maybe, but a lot of times Billy just doesn't want to work, you fuckers, because you keep paying his bills. Or how about rich retired guys? Yeah, I don't need any customers. I just want something to kick around while the wife's inside watching, you know, cooking shows and I, I'm just bored. Okay. Reminds me of a guy I just had from Havasu not too long ago. Really nice guy. Wealthy. Sold a body shop. And he didn't need to do this. He was just bored. And his wife's around there and they're probably starting to fight. And he's like, I got to find a hobby. Make a few bucks, blah, blah, blah. And he saw a PDR in his old body shop before he'd sold it. He thought, you know, this would be something kind of cool to do. I could knock around, do some dance, hang out with some bros, drink some beers. That guy didn't last more than two hours on the first day. And then all of a sudden, I could tell he's already checked out. It's way harder than he imagined. He knows his dream of doing dance for his buddies is smashed on the rocks like a giant rogue wave coming in. And it was game over. Waste of my time, waste of his. Number seven, one of my regrets or you know, just failing to, to iterate is focusing on making my best repairs possible, but ignoring... There's a little there's a little butt here, right? We take a dirt road on this one. But ignoring what makes customers happiest. What do you mean? I thought making a perfect dent makes customers happy. No. Often as techs, we do that for our own egos. Oh man, I'm the man. Oh my God, I made this look so good. Let me go find a mirror real quick. Take a photo. Ching. No. No, that's for us. That's not for them. And you know it and I know. A lot of times we push dents. Not because we're afraid the customers are going to see it, but we want to make it as good as we can because that makes us feel good about ourselves. We're providing a good service. But is that the metric that most customers measure by? Listen here, I'm dropping off my car. Um, yeah, it's that Mercedes out there, and I've got a quarter size dent. Now look, I'll pay you based on if it's 98, 99, or 100%, okay? They don't give a shit about that. Just make it go away. I don't want to see it in reflections. Hey, if you could do that, I'm happy. I'm not going to sit across the whole entire parking lot using palm trees or telephone poles. Don't worry. Just get it out. Just normal. If you want to put some more, more value into this transaction, take out some more dents for me. You know, polish my headlights. Polish my hood. A dent that is 2% flatter and takes three more hours of work Instead of doing those other things, it's not smart managing of your time, guys. And I'm sorry to tell you that. Remember, we're in the happiness business. We're not really in the dent repair business. We make customers happy. It just so happens that what we, the service we offer to get them there is dent removal. But the end result's not about pretty dents. 
because the car doesn't give a shit. Honey Badger doesn't give a flying shit. Honey Badger wants to be happy. Don't forget that. Number eight, realizing, this is one of my, my oversights, realizing that price begets happy customers and less complaints. I talked about this recently. So I'll give you an example. We just had this lady, Padma, and I don't think she's listening to the podcast, but if she does, Padma, how are you? Good to see you again. Poor Padma has darkened my door in the past two months, no less than six or seven times. I should have told Padma, even though she was nice, that in an in, in indirect way, she's not my customer. Okay, Scion XD, 2010. Okay, she needed bumpers and she wanted scratches removed from her 2010 90,000 mile Scion XD. Now, why isn't that my customer? Well, first of all, she didn't have a lot of money to spend, of course. And then second of all, she wanted the world. <laughs> That's not a good formula for me or her. If I do it cheap, she's going to feel like she got less. Just based on the psychological effects of pricing cheap. So my price did not beget a happy customer. I gave in, which I don't know why. I think we had a slow day or something. I thought, oh, you know what? This is two bumpers. This is two bumper jobs. Guys, I replaced two bumpers on her Scion and polished all the scratches out. Get this, $1,300. Two new bumpers. Pulled the old ones off, swapped all the parts, painted them, cut and buffed them. Took scratches out the entire car. I mean, this car was thrashed. It looked like it could go to Barrett-Jackson when we were done with it. Polished the headlights for free. Did all kinds of shit. And then she wanted one more thing. She's like, you know what? My middle seatbelt's not working. On that car, there's three different seatbelt receivers in the middle. And three times, the dealer sent us the wrong one. And you're probably thinking, well, how did they send you? Trust me. I don't know how. They would have, should have sent me the right one, one out of three, right? Nope. Even after we sent them photos and showed them the ones we had already bought from them. Thank you, AutoNation Toyota, Irvine. Great parts department there. Almost as good as Subaru out in Irvine. Jesus. So, long story short, three times she comes in, the seatbelt's not right. She fin I finally say, you know what, Padma, I don't have the car here. I can't test it. When the new belt comes in, you come in. I'm wasting your time. If you left the car here, I could tell you if it's the right belt or not. You know, forget it, forget it. I'll go to the dealership. They're professionals. They know what to do. I'm like, if they're professional, why the fuck are they selling me the wrong part? Anyway, so she leaves the car at the dealership for three days. They get the right seatbelt in. Great. Well, she would have looked at me. The same thing would have happened. But there was a clip. In this, the grill in the bumper, and it was popped out. And they said, oh, you know, did you just have the bumper painted? She's like, yes. She's, they're like, this is very unprofessional work. Mind you, these are the people I buy parts from. and they, But they have a body shop. So guess what? They're trying to motherfuck me. So she comes back to me. She says, you know, I'm really disappointed in you with the seatbelt shenanigans. And now the, the dealership says you did shoddy work. I said, let me pull around back. It's going to take me T minus 10 seconds to pop that grill back in. And then I looked at the bottom of the bumper and I saw that it had already been scratched and it had been bumped. And that's why the grill 
pop part of the clips popped out. The freaking all the parts are 14 years old. The car is bottomed out on every driveway in Orange County for over 100,000 miles or whatever it is. But the dealership said that I'm unprofessional. So I looked up the dealership's rating, and I think it was like a 2.8 or a 2.9. So I told her that, first off. Second of all, I said, you know what? If they were really concerned about you, Padma, why didn't they tell you that your battery terminals are corroded over and you're ready to break down on the side of the road with your whole family in this wonderful XD? They didn't mention that, did they? Oh, no, they didn't. And I took care of that for her. And then she realized, you know, maybe I shouldn't take everybody's word as freaking fact. So what's the lesson here? And it's a long lesson. Don't take cheap Scion XDs in. Oh my God. Price begets happy customers. I If I've charged her the, the price I should have charged, which was probably $22 to $2,500, I wouldn't have got her as a client. And that's just fine. But the next time I get a customer that needs that kind of repair and I charge the right money, they're going to be happy by default. That's the lesson. And I wish I had learned it before. All right, number nine, working harder in my early 20s, 12 to 16 hour days. I should have done that. I did get my degree, but I could have been building specific skills. You know, an apprentice for a large business, you know, learn the business in the front lines. I mean, no regrets. I mean, I got my four-year degree in six years, doing, working part, in, I mean, doing it part-time, working full-time. Um, but, I, you know, a lot more skills could have been acquired earlier on. That's a regret of mine, guys. And then the last thing, number 10, uh, not buying real estate into my until my, I would say, mid-30s. I think I was like 33 or 34 when we finally bought real estate with the wife. <clears throat> Big mistake. Big mistake. Because if I would have had real estate, let's say, 10 years earlier, oh, my God. It's not even, it's not even fair. It's not even funny. Whole different setup. Whole different setup. So, anyway.